This episode was created on traditional, unceded Coast Salish territories of the Songhees and Wasanich people. You're listening to Beyond the Jargon, a jargon-free look at graduate students and their research journey here at UVic. Welcome to Beyond the Jargon. I'm your host for today, Max Monday. I have David Miller, political science PhD student, with me in the studio. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Oh, good. So, David, your research is based on observing different theories of emotion in politics, mainly guilt. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so my master's research specifically was in looking at guilt in relation to politics, guilt specifically as an emotion, because a lot of times when people talk about guilt in relation to politics, it's like in this very legalistic way of like, is this person guilty of committing crimes or in that sort of context. So I was looking at more of the emotional side of that and how guilt affects people's political motivations, what it motivates them to do politically. Okay, so basically, instead of looking at, is this person guilty? You're like, you're not looking from an outside perspective. You're thinking of like from more of an inside perspective and how guilt translates to how politicians act. Um, sort of less in terms of politicians and more in terms of um, just people and subjects generally. Like if you are a person who is experiencing a lot of guilt over a particular act or a particular thing, what sort of political action does that motivate you or drive you to do? Kind of what got me interested or thinking about it in the first place was, um, do you remember the Coney 2012 campaign? Yes, I do. (laughs) Okay. So I started thinking about this around the time that the Coney 2012 campaign uh, came out and specifically just seeing like the really sort of reactive response that people had to that campaign Mm -hmm. and the sort of language that people were using around it and what sort of emotions I feel like that language was meant to provoke. And I think a lot of it was meant to provoke these feelings of guilt where it's like, oh, we Western subjects don't know anything about this guy, but look how horrible he is. And you should feel really bad that you don't, you should feel really guilty that you have never thought about this person and are doing nothing to stop him. So Coney 2012 was this campaign put together by this guy, I can't even remember his name, but he put together this video that became insanely popular overnight on the internet, was shared all across Facebook and social media. Basically it was pointing out the atrocities that were committed by this guy, Joseph Coney. So he was recruiting child soldiers and committing these really terrible atrocities. And the whole purpose of the campaign was sort of to raise awareness. It wasn't even to necessarily motivate any sort of actual political action. It was just sort of this campaign to raise awareness. And the idea was if enough people are aware of the problem, then the problem will cease to exist or we can like maybe lobby somehow to get him put behind bars or something. Mm -hmm. But the sort of language that was used a lot of times when people would share this video and also a lot of the language in the video was kind of like, it was definitely a video that was directed towards Western audiences and specifically it seemed meant to provoke a very emotional response like, look how horrible this is. You should want to do something about it. Don't you feel guilty that this is happening and that you're not doing anything? And so I looked at that and then also looked at sort of the responses that and what sort of action people took after 
that happened, which was mostly just, it seemed like either A, sharing the video, or B, donating money to this guy's charity, which it was very unclear what this guy's charity even actually did, and or it was like very not transparent around what the money was actually going to. And so that just, that whole thing, I didn't actually look at that in my uh, thesis, obviously. I would know more about it if I did. But that whole sort of thing got me thinking about, okay, if people are feeling guilty over something in the world, what sort of political actions do they take to remedy that guilt? And what sort of political motivation is that? Like, what sort of action do they take? Do they share videos online? Do they donate to charities? You actually started out not as a political science student, but as a philosophy student, is that correct? Well, kind of. I um, I started out as an English student, actually, oh, yeah, okay. in my undergraduate. And then as I was going through my undergraduate, I fell in love with philosophy, particularly like I had two or three professors in my undergraduate that just made me fall in love with philosophy mm-hmm. or helped me fall in love with philosophy, I guess. And so I was doing that, but the university that I was at in my undergrad is like, wasn't a full university at the time that I was there. It had transitioned to being like a full accredited university in the time that I was there. Mm-hmm. So at the time that I was ready to graduate, there wasn't like a full philosophy program. And so my undergraduate is actually an English slash like minor in philosophy, but that's like my interests are much more on the side of philosophy now, I think. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, I remember you telling me that you are really more interested in philosophy than you are in political science. And so I'm kind of wondering what you like about the philosophy of political science versus just philosophy in general. Yeah, so I think, I mean, there's kind of an ongoing debate or conflict in philosophy, which is largely academic and, and silly, I think. But there is sort of this conflict in philosophy departments specifically in academia around the difference between analytic philosophy and what's called continental philosophy and sort of what this devolves into is analytic philosophy is much more like logical investigations which I think a lot of times just devolves into sort of logic puzzles or things like that Mm -hmm. And continental philosophy is much more committed to sort of normative questions or questions around politics and social questions. And that's what motivates me a lot more. The problem is that analytic philosophy really dominates in most philosophy departments, especially in North America. So there's like not really a lot of places where you can do continental philosophy or philosophy that's oriented towards these social questions Mm -hmm. and political questions. I was lucky in that my undergraduate philosophy department really was like very continental in a lot of ways and so I got a lot of that exposed to a lot of that those great sort of social philosophical questions and that's really what I'm more interested in so kind of my problem going into grad school has been to find like programs within Canada or North America where I want to be that actually do the kind of work that I want to do that is like very philosophically motivated but also oriented towards these social and political questions and so there are like as you might imagine there are not that many programs that actually do that (laughs) the CSPT program here I think 
is one that really does that. Have you had any pushback of people saying like, why do you want to do philosophy? This is a political science program. Why are you like bringing philosophy into it? Not so much, actually. Like the political science department at UVic is pretty cool in that regard in that it is has a really strong history in what is like termed political theory, the subfield of political theory, which is basically what I want to do is political and social philosophy. Mm-hmm. One of your projects that I read, it focuses on which emotions affect political efficacy. Mm-hmm. Could you explain which emotions are best in terms of uh, moving political ideas forward? So kind of the tricky part of the research that I was doing and just like doing social scientific research in general is that you're often confronted with these sort of normative questions and both the desire and sort of the pressure to make these really sort of prescriptive normative statements around like if we want to do political action, we should do, we should feel this and this and this, or we should do this and this and this. I'm much less interested in those questions. Mostly, I think I'm kind of coming from an anarchist background where the idea is that there should be a diversity of tactics and there should be, people should be um, able to autonomously and sort of freely develop what sort of tactics they want and think about what sort of tactics they want to use and how they should or shouldn't feel about whatever and so i'm really really hesitant to to tell people like don't feel guilty feel this instead interesting so sort of the point of my thesis wasn't necessarily to say that guilt is a good or a bad emotion just more to look at what sort of the the effects of guilt are and in order so that we can think about are those the kind of effects that we want to produce strategically is guilt useful is it not useful what circumstances is it appropriate to feel guilt is it not appropriate to feel guilt is it even like appropriate to ask the question of if it's appropriate to feel guilt or not and so yeah I I didn't really uh the conclusion of my thesis wasn't necessarily like feel this instead of guilt it was more like I guess if we are feeling guilty and that is motivating our political action, we need to think about that and think about what sorts of actions it's motivating and if that is what we want, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's more of like, is our guilt motivating political action in a positive way or a negative way? Mm -hmm, Kind of, but also like... That also depends on what we see as like positive or negative politically. So for me, I'm committed to sort of a radical political project of uh, dismantling capitalism, dismantling state structures, dismantling oppression in all its forms. And so for me, I don't find guilt to be a particularly great motivation for politics because as I sort of get into my thesis, a lot of times the effects that guilt produce is produces is just to motivate actions that just reinforce those sort of oppressive structures I think so for someone who's really committed to like the state as a project they might be like well yeah like guilt is a great motivating factor it gets people to do all these great charitable things Mm -hmm. it gets them to uh, behave in these ways that we really like whereas for me I'm like "Mm, I don't know (laughs) Um, 
if the like if those behaviors are reinforcing what we already kind of what already kind of exists politically i don't know that that's such a great thing totally yeah because guilt is and can be if it's used um in this way it can be very manipulative for sure mm-hmm. you said that you find that capitalism or the capitalist machine <laughs> if you will sure. uses guilt in order to progress their motives forward is that kind of uh to some extent yeah so i think a big section of what I was working on was around how certain practices within capitalism now and certain trends within capitalism now, like specifically around austerity, there's kind of a trend within capitalism and the capitalist state now towards uh, what's broadly termed austerity, which is this project of the idea that the main problem with the economy and why it's so bad right now, quote unquote bad, or like why it crashes so seems to crash so often now is because we're spending too much on social programs or we're spending too much money on things where that aren't useful and that the state is actually a really bad sort of judge of where money should go and so it should just be this sort of capitalist free-for-all but what what that entails and why it's called austerity is because it's this program that a lot of states have adopted of like we need to take this really austere program of spending and really cut back on our budget and cut back on what the state spends on because we're really bad judges of what what needs to be funded. And so it, what it generally entails is the defunding of a lot of social programs or changing social programs over to models that are more like business models mm-hmm. so that social programs are then seen to be like recuperating their expenses or making returns on their investments so like i do a lot of research for other organizations that look into what's called social return on investment Mm -hmm. which is basically like taking data from social organizations and using it to show that they like recoup the expenses so like if they get a certain amount of money from the government they take that and then they can show like look we housed this many homeless people and that saved the government this much money. So you should continue funding us because we actually save you this money. And it's Mm -hmm. this very like weird capitalist business model. So austerity is basically like either defunding programs in the hopes of saving money for the government or like switching social programs, a lot of social programs over to these sort of business models there's a lot more to it than that, but that's like kind of where I focus on. And so the way that guilt relates to that is specifically like a lot of uh, social welfare programs are moving over to this model of like welfare to work, where instead of providing a certain base income for people who have lost their jobs or whatever, you give them a job you give them these really like low paying terrible jobs so that they are like showing that they deserve the money that you're giving them or that they i don't know have earned it in some sense and to me these models really function to produce this sort of sense of guilt where like the poverty of the individual is seen as caused by the individual themselves and they need to be responsible for it and so they need to like work to pay for themselves instead of just 
I don't know, the mentality is like, instead of giving them a handout, uh, you put them to work so that they earn their way. And to me, this produces, I believe that this produces like a sense of guilt where the person feels really responsible for their own poverty and then are motivated to engage in these sorts of practices Mm -hmm. instead of questioning like, well, maybe part of like, maybe my poverty is more a result of the intersection of all these different social forces that have sort of produced it. I'm thinking a lot about um, these austerity measures that you were talking about and how the austerity measures are almost kind of like caused by guilt themselves where these capitalist systems are saying, well, these social programs are being paid for by the state and you're not using enough money or what have you. You're using too much money and that's making the state feel this guilt as well like kind of a i guess guilt within using too much money and saying okay well we'll use less but let's figure out like how to how to work that does that make sense yeah does that make sense yeah yeah cool so it's kind of yeah what it what that made me think of Mm -hmm. let's take a look at guilt as an example then you're saying that there's sometimes that guilt can be good and sometimes the guilt can be bad can you give me an example of when guilt has been used in politics in order to motivate people i think sort of on more of like a small scale micro political level guilt can be useful in a lot of instances because it is motivation to engage in sort of these reparative behaviors Mm -hmm. so if i feel like i have harmed another person in a certain way and i feel guilty my desire to sort of alleviate myself of that guilt is going to um, move me to engage in these sort of reparative behaviors or like to engage in practices where I'm trying to repair the relationship that I've damaged with this person or try to make amends with the person that I've, I've harmed. And I don't like that's, I think that's totally great and useful in a lot of instances, especially like, I mean, if we are organizing ourselves into alternative political communities or alternative political structures, a lot of that depends on the relationships that we build with other people. And I think that guilt can be very useful in building and maintaining those relationships. I think it it can also be very damaging in that way because a lot of times it just becomes about finger pointing or like feeling like oh, I'm not really radical enough or I'm not really I'm not really fitting into this community. I feel really guilty about sort of things that I don't have a lot of control over or it can be really damaging in those situations, but it can also be really helpful to, like, if I have legitimately caused someone harm, I should probably feel <laughs> responsible and guilty about it and try to repair that relationship in some way. Mm-hmm. So that's where I, th- I see guilt as being politically useful in certain instances Mm -hmm. i guess we talked about sometimes when it isn't useful that would be for austerity measures and yeah so there's a really great article that was put out by this group called indigenous action media a few years ago it's called accomplices not allies and in that they sort of talk about how a lot of people who identify themselves as allies to indigenous struggles so people who aren't necessarily within the indigenous community don't have an indigenous identity 
but want to work with and struggle with indigenous folks uh, in the process of decolonization, a lot of people in that position are motivated by a sense of guilt. They feel very guilty over the past genocide of indigenous folks in Canada, or they feel very guilty over the continued sort of colonial structures that exist within Canada. And so they want to work with indigenous folks. But the problem that indigenous action media sort of in this article identifies with the guilt of a lot of allies is that it motivates allies to do actions that aren't really all that helpful. It's like this really, this outpouring of sympathy and desire to help indigenous folks, but then it becomes this sort of uh, white savior complex of like going into these communities and feeling like I'm gonna save you and then I'll alleviate my own guilt. And they see that as a very like harmful sort of motivation for political action. Mm -hmm. And what they advocate instead is sort of a model of accomplices and not allies. So working with indigenous people instead of just trying to come in and save them and then leave and feel like nice and good about ourselves. so like actually engaging in conversation with indigenous folks and seeing what they want and what they need and what would be helpful and like actually endeavoring to do those things instead of just trying to do these political actions in order to ameliorate our own guilt and the same can be said there's like um what's that phenomenon of volunteerism i don't Uh, know if you've heard of that yeah so like going into third world countries or or places like that and basically being a tourist and having a vacation in this place but also engaging in volunteer work so like habitat for humanity is a is a big one or building houses for impoverished people in third world countries but and like a lot of that i think is is coming from really great motivations but a lot of times it's also like not actually working with the people in those places to dismantle the structures that are really oppressive and causing the problems in the first place it's just kind of go in do this really brief work have a good time because you're also on vacation and and are a tourist there and then go home and feel like really good about yourself because you've like oh i don't feel guilty anymore that this is happening because like i did my part to to fix it instead of like actually engaging with and challenging these ongoing structures of oppression yeah totally yeah so what's next on your plate for your research i'm not entirely sure in the future what i want to work on i would like to continue working on what's broadly termed affect studies which is looking at emotions but not just emotions it's more like all of the ways that our bodies are affected corporeally and how that affects our mind and sort of dismantling this dualism between mind and body and seeing how they they interact and influence each other so i'm really interested in looking at that sort of thing how does that play into political science a lot of affect theory is actually very politically motivated it's kind of i think partially a counter trend against this whole history of um, political philosophy that i was telling you about before especially like liberal political thought is very invested in this division between mind and body and rational thought versus like emotional corporeal being Um, and that has a lot of political effects already like 
um, the division between rationalism and sort of the emotional or affective side of being really values like traditionally or uh, normatively masculine traits over normatively feminine traits. So it's like a way of saying, you know, women are so emotional, so they shouldn't be involved in politics. And we still see this, obviously, right? Like even in, in mainstream politics, when female identified politicians are running, they running for office or candidacy in mainstream politics a lot of times all we focus on is sort of their emotionality and they have to be very very conscious of the emotions that they display uh, in public because they're going to be criticized for it and it's like an effect of this sort of tradition and political thought of rationalism and mind is good body affects emotions bad and so a lot of affect theory is around um, dismantling that sort of division and showing how those things are mutually implicated and how our thinking about politics changes if we pay attention to the body and pay attention to affects and what sort of new possibilities are opened up. Um, so I'm really interested in that aspect of it. Again, thank you for listening to Beyond the Jargon on CFUV 